Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's going on, friends in the room? Good to see you guys. Good to see you online. Thanks for hanging out with us. I got a story to tell you about this. Yesterday was supposed to be a day of celebration. Uh, Yesterday uh, was supposed to be like a party day in the Klein house. It did not happen that way. Let me back up. Six months ago, uh, I was out at Salem Lake uh, running, and uh, I stepped on a root and turned my ankle really bad. Now, if you know anything about Salem Lake, it's a seven-mile loop. You park your car, you run seven miles, you come back. Guess where I stepped on the route? 3.3 miles away from my car. So I'm walking like a a crippled person um, all the way back to my car. Elizabeth's calling me. I don't have my cell phone with me. Elizabeth's calling me thinking I fell into the lake or, or gave up and quit and walked the rest of the way or whatever. So it's terrible. Ankle hurts so bad. And uh, Elizabeth says, you need to go to the doctor. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to keep that copay. I think I'm going to keep that $25 because I don't need a doctor to tell me that my ankle's messed up because heads up, my ankle's messed up. Uh, so I'm just going to give it some time, right? I'm, I'm going to wait it out. Uh, and so for a few months, uh, I didn't run, didn't exercise. I know y'all can tell I hadn't been exercising lately. Um, so I didn't, I didn't do anything, just trying to rest it up. And uh, man, it, I, I got to be honest with you, it was super discouraging, not only injuring it, but then a few months later, I was laying off of it and it wasn't getting any better. Um, so, so finally, uh, I do what anybody would do. Uh, I think, well, maybe it'll get better if I start running again. And uh, that didn't work. Uh, it got even worse. So one night uh, in December, um, I, I, it was so, hurt me so bad. It was swollen. I couldn't even sleep. It was hurting so bad. And uh, Elizabeth said, you need to call the doctor. So I called the doctor, got an appointment the next day. He did an x-ray. Um, nothing, nothing was wrong. Nothing broken. Nothing strained. No fractures or anything. He said, I think you just overworked it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to wear this boot right here. And it's pretty cool. It's got a pump on it. You know what I'm saying. It's pretty cool. Um, pump it up. It makes you look a lot cooler than you are. Um, so I'll wear this for four weeks. He said, you need to wear this for four weeks, and it'll be better at the end of four weeks. Now, I didn't say this to his face, but I was just like, there's no way that ankle's going to be better in four weeks. It's not. This boot is not going to help it. But he's a doctor. And uh, so I listened to him. Two weeks into it, Foot is no better. Like, we're halfway. I'm super discouraged uh, about it, and, and it, it, it doesn't help the fact that my girls are bullying me. My daughters at the house, they're bullying me about it. They're calling me names, um, crippled, uh, decrepit, uh, hop along, uh, look at the peasant with a boot on. Like, they are relentlessly getting at me, uh, just making fun of the fact that I'm, I'm having to hop everywhere. And, and like you can hear me walking through the house. It's like a peg leg. And uh, it's crazy, the, the, the sound. And so, so finally, yesterday, just discouraged about it, finally yesterday was the end of four weeks. And that's what the doctor says. I did everything the doctor said to do. And I took the boot off and threw it across the room in celebration. And uh, I walked into my room. My daughter had given me this packet of papers. He says, now, when you take the boot off, 
off. Here's some rehab exercises that you're going to do to like build your, your muscles back up. So one of them was to get on the stairs and, you know, put your toes on the stairs and you rise up on your toes and then you, you, you go down on your toes, whatever. First exercise, I try to rise up on my toes and it feels like a hot poker in my ankle. Really familiar to how it was a month ago before I got the boot on. Same spot, same feeling. And to be honest with you, it was discouraging. It was terrible. I was like, I can't believe I've wasted a month. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to have to call this doctor and tell him I was right. I'm going to make him say, Nathan, you were right and I was wrong. And and I got a good relationship with my doctor. I emailed my doctor last night. I was like, all right, you got you to gotta send me to a specialist. And really, man, it was just frustrating. It was, uh, it was discouraging that I had waited for six months and no progress and, and, and so much had happened. And then somebody told me, if you do this, this will work. It will get better. And, and a month later, I do everything I'm supposed to do. And I take the boot off and foot feels terrible, bad pain, going to have to start all over. And it, and it kind of dawned on me that even though it's seems really petty, right? Uh, that Like I got an ankle injury. I'm just going to go to the doctor this week and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. And how discouraging it was though, that after I tried everything and did everything I thought I was supposed to do, here I am at the end of this season and I'm still getting no more answers, still getting no more, no more clarity on it. And it kind of reminded me of some seasons that I've been through. Maybe you can relate to this. Um, seasons of prayer. You ever been through a season of prayer where you're really discouraged? Where you're, you're praying and asking God for things, you're asking God to make a way, asking God for an answer, asking God to open up a door, and you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. You're trying to remain faithful and reading your Bible and just, just believing in God and, and what he's commanded us and what he's promised us in Scripture. But, but, but let's, just, let's just be honest. Here we are and still no answer. Door hasn't been opened yet. The yes has not been given um, there's, there's no peace. There's, there's no clarity. There's, there's no answer to all of that. Man, I, I've been in seasons of prayer like that where I'm just like, hey, God, are, are you in there? Am I doing this wrong? How much longer do I need to pray? How many more times do I need to ask? Uh, like, God, wh- wh- what's, what's the deal? It seems like not only is the right thing not happening, but it seems like the wrong things are beginning to compound. You ever been like that in your prayer life? <coughs> That's where I was. That's where I've, I've been. And it takes a toll on you emotionally and physically and spiritually. And so, so two weeks ago, we started out this series answering this question, <clears throat> how do you pray when you don't know what to say? Last week, we talked about how do you pray when you want to be blessed? Today, I want to talk about how do you pray when you're discouraged? How do you pray when... There seems to be no answer when God's hand doesn't seem to be moving. How do you pray when you, when you want something so bad in life, when you're calling out to God and doing everything that you know what to do, but, but still here you are, still wanting, still asking, still praying, still hoping, God, what? What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? We're going to look at uh, Psalm chapter 27 today. If you have your app, you can open that up and follow along with it. If you have your Bible, Psalm is just open up towards the middle. And uh, Psalm is the middle book and, and flip to chapter 27. This is a chapter written by King David. And King David knows what it's like to have problems. <laughs> Guy had a lot of problems in his life. Some of them were self-inflicted problems. 
Other problems were outside of his control, but David finds himself in the position that you and I find ourselves in where eventually our problems begin to compound and we pray and we ask for God to make a way and nothing happens and and it gets worse and worse and worse and nothing ever gets any better. And eventually, I, I, I don't know about you, but eventually you just reach to a point where you're just discouraged about it. I don't even know if I want to pray anymore. I don't even know why to pray. I don't, I don't know what I'm believing God for. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, come on, God, like, help me here. This was where King David was in Psalm chapter 27. And so I want to look at this text uh, together. His life had gotten so bad at this point that he actually has to begin this chapter by giving himself a pep talk. You ever done that before? You ever had to give yourself a pep talk? You ever gone to a job that you hated and every morning you walk, you roll into the parking lot and you're like, all right, here we go. I can do it, Nathan. You can do this. You can do it. Just, just one more day. Like you can you go in there. Just, just do it. Just make it happen. This is what David, this is how he opens up the chapter. He's having to give himself a pep talk. Like that's how low he is at this point in his life. And in Psalm 27 verse 1, he, he says this. This is his pep talk. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David's like, come on, come on, David. Get, get your mind right, man. Come on now. Listen, now you got to remind yourself of who God is, okay? I, I, I have no reason to be afraid. I have no reason to be worried right now. I got no reason to lose faith. Let me remind myself of who God is. It might sound like hokey to you, but sometimes you need that in your prayer life. Sometimes you need that in your life spiritually. You got to stop when you're discouraged and when things aren't going as planned. And you got to stop and you got to remind yourself of some things. Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of what God has done for you, the promises that you find in Scripture. Like sometimes when you don't see God's hand moving, you have to go back into the Word and remind yourself, yeah, but this is who God is. Yeah, but this is the promise that I read. Let, let me remind myself who's in control and who God is. God has my back. God is in control. God has my situation in his hands. I know it doesn't look like it on the outside. I know I look like I'm discouraged and I got problems mounting up. But let me just, let me just take a minute, just take a deep breath and remind myself of who God is. I find myself trying to do that when I get discouraged in, in, in different areas of my life. In these next two verses, uh, we see why David actually has to do that. We get a little snapshot into David's life at the time and some of the problems that he's facing. Verse 2, he says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then... I will be confident. And David, we get a little insight into what his life is right now. He's like, man, I got enemies all around me. People are bad-mouthing me. People want to see me fail. People are trying to trip me up. Uh, that, that language is really powerful in that second verse. He says, it's like an army is besieging me. You ever felt like that in life? It's just like your problems keep closing in. Just when you thought you were going to get rid of one problem, you pick up another problem and they begin to compound and it, and it feels like life is, is closing in around you and it just breeds discouragement in your life. And David says, man, that's what I feel like. I feel like there's an army all around me. Everywhere I look, there's opposition. Everywhere I look, it causes me, be to, causes me to be discouraged. God, where are you? You ever felt like that? 
Ever been discouraged like that in life where it just feels like everything emotionally, physically, mentally just seems to be caving in and compounding? That's exactly where David is. And it is in this moment that David takes the opportunity to say a prayer. In this moment, he is going to ask God something really powerful that I think I want to challenge you to write down these things. There's, there's three words that I see in verse 4 that David says, man, when I am discouraged, this is what I pray. This is how a person that is walking through a discouraging season in life, whatever that may hold for you, this is how they pray. When problems are compounding, it has David totally discouraged and these are the things that he verse voices to God. Here's how to pray when you're discouraged. Verse 4 reads like this. It's simple. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. David's like, I got one thing to ask you, God. One prayer. That's all my, if you could do just one thing for me, God, this, this is what I would ask for. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David says, one thing, God, for real, just one thing. And I don't know if David's bad at math or he just got caught up or he thought it, was, it is one thing, but it's one A, one B, and one C. But David gives three things like, promise you, God, one thing I'm asking you. And he rolls off three quick things, three words that I want to highlight to you right quick to ask you to write down if you want to be encouraged during this season of your life. The first thing he says is this. Here's my one thing, God. You ready? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord that I may dwell. That's the first word that David says when he's discouraged, when he feels like life is caving in on him, when prayers are going unanswered and he doesn't know what to do next. He says, I want to dwell. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, he's not talking about living at the church, all right? He's not saying, I'm going to bring my sleeping bag up to the temple. And I'm just going to sleep here. I'm just going to be in the church all the time. Because you got to remember, the, the temple hasn't even been built yet. David's son, Solomon, would build the first temple to God. And so he's not talking about coming to a building. Here's what David says. When I'm discouraged, when it feels like the walls are closing in, God, I just want your presence. That's what it means to dwell. Like, God, I just want to be with you. Just me. I can't control what's going on in my life. I can't control what's going on in the world. And, and it's interesting that David does not look at God and say, God, take my problems away. David looks at God and says, God, in the midst of my problems, I want you to be there. That's a game changer in your life when you're facing discouragement. I don't think it's any accident that the Bible is filled with verses that remind us of God's presence, the power of presence. Jesus said he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. you all, no matter where you go, no matter what happens, you will have God's presence. In the book of Psalm, um, the, the Bible says that God is close and near to the brokenhearted. Those of you that are discouraged, you're brokenhearted, you're overwhelmed, you don't know what to do, you don't know what to pray, you don't know where to go. Scripture says in those moments, God is close, God is near, God knows where you are and can meet you right there. David says, I, God, I just want you to be here. Think about how comforting it is in your life, when you're going through a difficult time and you've just got, you, you have somebody there that you can talk to, somebody that can be in the room, so, somebody that you can just be with the power of presence. And David says, man, God, that's what I want from you. 
That's the promise that we read from Scripture, that even when you are discouraged and at your wit's end, that God says, my presence will always be there. David says, God, just right now, I just need to feel you. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if that sounds appealing to you or not, but like, I, God, I just need to know you're there. I need to be reminded of your presence, and that'd be a game changer in my life. First, he says, I, I want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. The second, he says, I want to, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. That's the second word. He says, first, I want to dwell. And number two, God, when I'm discouraged, when I'm praying and I can't get an answer, I, want to, I need to look at my gaze. Now, now, gaze is not just a simple glance, right? It's not just kind of a cursory glance across the room. Gaze is intentional. Gaze is focus. Think about like staring at someone and just thinking about them and looking at them and what they're doing and what they sound like and the movements and the clothes they're wearing. Like this is an intense gaze. David says, man, when I'm struggling, when I'm discouraged, he said, I have to remind myself, David, where are your eyes? Where are you focused right now? Because if David is anything like us, our tendency during these moments are to focus on the problem instead of the problem solver. Our tendency is to focus on everything we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. Our tendency is to think about what we cannot do. And David says you need to stop thinking about what you can't do and be reminded of what God can do. Where's your gaze? Because if the only thing you can see is the hurdle that you're facing right now, the barrier that's in front of you, this obstacle that David says he has in front of him as well, man, the longer you stare at that problem, the bigger it gets. And the more overwhelmed you get, and the more intimidated you get by it, and the more discouraged you get. And so David says, instead of looking down here at what you're facing, set your gaze upon God. Man, I, I want to gaze and put my focus and put my eyes on something that's going to help me. David says, I, I'm, I'm not going to focus on the problem. I'm going to focus on God. I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm going to focus on the promises that I read about who God is and what he can do. Man, if you're discouraged right now, I want to challenge you. Watch your gaze. Watch what you're looking at. Watch what you focus on because focus gives you a brand new perspective on what God may be doing in your life. Number one was dwell. Number two was gaze. The final one is this. And he says, I want, I want to seek him. 1A, 1B, 1C. I want to seek him in his temple. The word seek means to attempt to find something, right? Like he's searching for it. Ever lost your keys? Like you're seeking that. You're turning everything. You've got laser focus on what you're looking for, and you will not stop until you find it. It's all you can think about is where's my keys? Where's my keys? Where's the last place I put it? Uh, where, where, do I, where, where did I leave them last time? Did I check my pants? Did I check the dryer? Did I check the bathroom? Did I check the mantle? Did you check the ring where the keys should be? Like where is it? Where are, where, what are you seeking in your life during those times of discouragement? You know, being, being lost uh, is, is bad enough, but when you're lost and you don't know where to go next, it just compounds your discouragement. David is asking God for directions here. David is turning on his spiritual GPS and says, like, God, I have no idea where I am. And here's the problem, God. I've already taken about a thousand wrong turns. Like, it's not like I, don't, I haven't tried anything. It's not like I haven't been praying. It's not like I haven't been asking. God, I've been trying everything, and I'm still lost. I still don't know where to go. I need to seek direction from God. So what are you seeking? Where is your gaze 
and what are you dwelling on? Three parts that David says, if I could ask God one thing, one multi-part answer when I'm discouraged, these are the things that I want to focus on. He closes the the chapter by telling us why those three words are so important. If you want to know what's so important about dwell and gaze and seek, David's going to say, I'll show you what you're going to get. If you'll do these things during this season of your life, I'll show you what that's going to result in. The reason why you want to dwell, the reason why you want to focus on the presence of God during a difficult time, during a discouraging time in your life is this. Presence gives us peace. God's presence in your life will give you peace. That's what David promises in, in, in verse five. He says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and he will set me high upon a rock. David says, man, the peace that I want when I'm discouraged happens when I get in the presence of God. When I look up and I realize God's here. God knows, God sees me, God's in control, God hears me, God understands. I know I don't have an answer yet, I don't know what direction to go, but here's what I do. I look up and I see, I know that God is there. I know that I have the presence of God in my life. David knows as long as God is there, then he's good. As long as God's presence is there, then David can handle whatever life is. But he looks at God and says, God, your presence right now is going to bring me peace. I would argue with you that God's presence in your life is even better than whatever answer you want him to give you. Because there's a possibility that God answers the question that you have and you're still scared to death. That God answers the prayer, that God opens up the door, that God makes a way and you still don't know what to do next. You're still alone by yourself. And so David says, instead of asking God just for the answers, ask God to be with you. Ask for that presence. The gaze gives us perspective. If you want to know why it's important to focus on what you focus on, gaze changes perspective in our life. It happens in verse 6. He said, then my head will be exalted. Man, it's like I'm standing up on my tiptoes. God is going to lift me up so that I can see the whole surrounding. Not just what's in front of me, but I can see from God's perspective. I want to set my gaze on God. Then above my head will be exalted, above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. David rises above the circumstances so that he can see from God's perspective. That's why it's so important to fix your gaze on God. I took my youngest daughter to a Krispy Kreme a couple of weeks ago. And anytime we go into Krispy Kreme, she wants to see how the donuts are made, right? She wants to see the little conveyor belt and see them get baptized underneath the frosting and see them get put in the box. And so when we go in there, um, she's a, a little bit too short to see all the action. So as soon as we walk in the door, she looks up at me. She's like, Dad, lift me up. Pick me up so I can see. I can't see from down here. Dad, you, you got to exalt me a little bit. You got you to gotta lift me up, man. You got you to gotta get my gaze above like the wall that's in front of me so I can actually see what's going on. That's the prayer that David has. He's like, God, pick me up. Like I'm stuck right now in my situation. The only thing that I can see is what's in front of me right now. God, I need somebody to pick me up and give me some perspective. Help me to see that there is an end in sight. Help me to see that you have a plan. Help me to see what's going on. Accept what I'm struggling with right now. Accept what I'm frustrated at. Accept what is discouraging me so much right now. David says, if you lift your eyes, 
and you fix your gaze and your focus on God, then you'll get a better perspective of what you're going through. You'll be able to see the way that God is moving and the way that he's orchestrating things and even have the opportunity to see even what God has next. David says, God, I want clarity. I just want to see. I just want to know what's next. Do I keep praying? (laughs) Do I do do something? Do I stop doing something? Do I move in a different direction? God, what do you want me to do? The last thing he says, I want to tell you why it's so important to seek God. Seeking God gives us direction. You want to know what's next? You want to know how to continue? You want to know if you need to be praying the same thing or something different or stop praying and start doing something and walking in obedience, asking and seeking and knocking? You want to know during a discouraging season what's next? What, what do we need to do? Here, here David says this, my heart says of you in verse 8, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Why, why, does, why is he so obsessed with God seeking the face of God? Well, in verse 11 it says, here's why. It'll teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. David says, God, I'm discouraged, man. There's questions I don't have answers to. There are things I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong or what I'm doing right. I don't know which way to go. I've got decisions to make and I don't know what to do. Just, just tell me. Just give me some direction. The Bible says that when you seek God, he will show you where to go. He will light the path for you. He'll anoint your next steps. He'll open up the doors and you'll be able to see where he is moving if you will seek his face first. I think unfortunately though, a lot of times in our life, instead of seeking God, we tend to take the wandering path. <laughs> Just feels like sometimes in life we will wander from spot to spot, from decision to decision, from day to day. And we don't know if we're doing the right thing. We don't know if we're going in the right direction. And here's what I know about wandering. If you wander long enough, eventually you get lost. <laughs> and sometimes spiritually, I feel like I am my kids at the mall. Like, if we're at the mall and I don't have both of my kids by the hand, they will wander off. Like, they will see something. They will run to the carousel. They will follow the smell to Cinnabon. Like, they will go somewhere in the mall. And here's what's going to happen. If they wander long enough, eventually they're going to look up and they don't know where dad is. And they don't know where they are. And all of a sudden, like, they've wandered to the point to where we're looking around. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know where dad is. And so when we go to the mall, dad always grabs him by the hand because I don't want you to wander. I want to lead you. I want to make sure that, that like we're walking together. And at any moment, they can reach up and realize that dad's hand is right there. They can get the peace they want. They can get the direction they want. Whatever they're looking for at that moment, they reach up and dad's hand's right there. And David says, man, that's a, that's a great image of God. Did you know that you have a God whose hand is always extended? That at any moment, if we were to look up, if we were to dwell, if we were to gaze, if we were to seek him, then you have a good father whose hand is extended, who looks at you and says, just grab it. I'll lead you. Just seek my face. Don't wander. Don't, don't go around being discouraged. Get in my presence, know that I'm here with you, set your gaze on me, grab my hand, seek me in the direction that you need, and and, and I will help you get to where you need to go. When I get discouraged, it's good for me to know that I have a heavenly father whose hand is reaching down and all I have to do 
is reach up and grab it. God says, man, if you'll seek me, if you will set your gaze upon me, if you will focus on my presence in your life, then I can bring you the peace, I can bring you the direction, and I can bring you the focus and the perspective that you need to know what you need to do next. I know in a room this size, there have been people that have been praying prayers for a long time, and you're discouraged, and you don't know what you're doing wrong, and you don't know if you're praying the wrong prayer, or if you're doing the wrong thing. You don't know why the answer hasn't been yes, or the prayer hasn't been prayed, hasn't been answered yet, or, or why a way hasn't been made. And I hope that when you're in those discouraging times and you feel like giving up and you don't know what to say, you don't even know if it's working or not, and maybe this isn't even God's will at all, maybe even God doesn't even care, maybe God doesn't hear me, I pray that you'll remember David's words here. He says, man, seek his presence, seek his direction, seek the next steps from him, focus your gaze, get in the presence of God and watch how God opens a door. Watch how God encourages you even in your darkest seasons of prayer. I pray that today that you won't stop, that you won't get discouraged Uh, but that you would press on and understand that even in the toughest season, the darkest times in your life, God can move in a really powerful, tangible way for you. So keep praying, keep praying. Set your focus on Jesus and see what he does for you today. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for encouraging passages like this. Guys like David that know what it's like to have your back up against a wall, to be troubled, to, to be praying prayers. And God, this, this is a man that you described as a man after your own heart, but yet even David struggled with discouragement. Even David prayed prayers that went seasons without him getting the answer that he desired and he was looking for. So God, I pray that we could find some encouragement in that, that we would know, always remember that you are the good father whose hand is extended to us at any moment we can grab it, at any moment being in your presence, setting our gaze upon you, seeking you for our next steps in life. God, that's an amazing promise that can be used to bolster our faith and encourage us even in a difficult time in life as we continue to seek you every day in prayer. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.